I'm just sharing some things. Kind of this morning, I'm in the mode of, of I was joking with my staff this morning, and you know, it's pretty much you know, kind of just reading some scriptures. You know, verse one: live holy or die. Verse two: live clean or go to hell. Verse three. Change your wicked ways or get ready to meet your maker. How I many you know you don't need no special interpretation for that? It's just, you got to sit up here and give y'all no special revelations and pulling stuff from Genesis all the way to Hebrews and tying it all together. It's just simple. So, but I do also know that a lot of people uh, don't read their Bible. I don't have this problem at that church, though. At this church, everybody reads their Bible every single day. Matter of fact, some of y'all have been a have been threatened to get fired on the job because you read your Bible so much. <laughs> so we're talking about the folk who listen to us and not even the online listeners. The online listeners read their Bible. We're talking about new folk. <laughs> okay? So, but regardless of how much you read your Bible, you can read it and not see it. And so, uh, and so, um, I just like, I've been reading that scripture a lot and didn't see what he just showed. You know, <laughs> You, 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 you can never fully see what the Lord is saying. You just see pieces of it. And yet the pieces are supposed to give you perfect victory. And so let's look at Isaiah 35 so we can do these two things here right quick. Isaiah 35 verse 4 it says, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He's coming to save you, and when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind, unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like deer, and those who cannot speak will sing with joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool. Springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived. This is concerning what's supposed to happen in your life when you receive salvation. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beast. There will be no other dangers only the redeemed walk on it. So that's the Lord showing you the dangers of not walking in holiness. And that living clean and living holy is the highest level of protection. He said there are no ferocious beasts on that road. There are no uh, um, uh, nefarious lions on that path. There are no enemies on that path can take you down because that path is too bright and it's too strong for you to be on that path. And it's called the highway of holiness. It's actually an actual highway, an invisible road, but it's also the highway. Most people take the low way. It's also the highway. And so as you living high above the ways of the world, 2 Corinthians 7.1, King James says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. That's not God's responsibility, that's yours. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So you should be stronger today than you were tomorrow, stronger next week than you are today, stronger next year. Next year, we should not find you doing the same things that you were doing this year. And let me say something about that just for a moment. God, as you keep going, coming up higher and higher up the mountain and higher and higher on this highway, um, there will be things that the Lord will... Con when you first give your life to Christ, there are things that are sins, but you don't know they are sins. So the Holy Spirit will tell you. And it's, it's funny how from time to time people will come to me and they say, you know what, I think there's something wrong with me. I say, why do you say that? Well, every time I do this, I feel funny. When they tell me what, I, what they do, I say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit trying to convict you that what you're doing is wrong. And then I show them the scripture like, oh, I had a feeling that that's what it was. Okay. And so there are things where sins, well, God will ask you to get these sins out of your life so you can come up higher. You know, um, but then um, there'll be, you know, it's, it's, it's funny what we think are sins and what are not. And then you get to a certain level of maturity, he'll start dealing with you about pride and gossip. 
because those are invisible things and those are things that don't look like sins, you know. Um, and then he'll start dealing with you with things that are not sins, but they're weights. These are things that slow down your walk with Jesus Christ. Okay, They're not a sin, you know, but because you watch too much TV, it's slowing down your walk. Okay, Because you spend too much time over here. Or you, you know, Sin can be you turn to food every time you feel bad. Those are weights. Start dealing with you about that. Then there's a level where he starts pushing you towards perfection. And 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 I'm and, and it's different for every person. So whereas there's nothing wrong with wearing an earring, he may ask the gentleman to stop wearing one. Or he may ask you to remove a tattoo. He may ask you to do certain things. I mean, y'all in the old testament when they were when the presence of God showed up for real, you had to take your shoes off. See that several times in the Bible. Because there are some levels, because I I've noticed that whereas before I used to enjoy preaching. And then going home, these dudes know that I'm preaching on Saturday. Okay. Pastor. Okay. So maybe you put up a post or something. Now they want to come after me. I don't know. But I used to enjoy preaching, getting something to eat that has nothing to do with health, and then sitting in front of the TV. And, and don't go to sleep, fall asleep. Now I find myself sitting in front of the TV and it's like uh, I can't it's it's just like and it's almost like what I used to enjoy now bothers me you know and so I find myself at the most maybe just maybe watching a little bit of car racing or some UFC fights and and and, and so now kind of what I do is I will tape a program that's two hour long and take like almost two months to watch it so I sit in front of the TV, watch it for five minutes, and then just turn it off. Pick up a couple days later with another five minutes, ten minutes, and then turn it off again. So that's the Lord pulling you up to a higher level of consecration because uh, the air is thinner up here. You know, that's why a lot of athletes, triathletes and UFC fighters um, and some boxers, they train up in the mountains where the air is thin so that they can have a greater capacity when they come down in battle. And that's something that they do in their practice. Okay? And so, but God has called you, not him. Change me, Lord. It's not going to happen. No, no. It's just it's kind of like you just going to the gym and just standing there. I mean, you stand there for the next five years and you, you have to jump on that machine. You know what I'm saying? They just provided the machine for you to get on. Okay, so you're supposed to cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Now, what's interesting is, is that, you know, um, every man in Scripture, you know, we love to talk about a lot of men in Scripture. One of the things that I noticed in Scripture is that every man except for Jesus that was righteous was highly regarded publicly, but also highly rebuked publicly. I mean, we know about Adam and how he started out right, and, and then God let everyone know for 6,000 years, he pointed, everything you see in the planet is his fault. <laughs> Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in the entire world, yet God did not withhold the information that he made such a bad mistake, he was not allowed to go into the promised land. The Bible tells you about Noah, that he was the only righteous man in the entire planet but did not hold back telling you that he got drunk after the flood. The Bible tells you about David, that he was a man after God's own heart. And you know that a whole army and his king who were bred for war and anointed for war wouldn't take down one giant and a boy practicing in the backyard came and destroyed him. And, and David talks about, the Bible talks about David's honor and how once he was anointed, Saul spent the rest of his life trying to kill David. And there were a couple of times where David could have killed Saul. David was hiding from the king in a cave. And the Bible says that the king went into the cave to relieve himself. Then he sat down to rest. It says David snuck up on the king. I think he was sleeping. Snuck up on the king, took his knife out, and cut off a piece of his robe. And when the king woke up and went back out the cave, it says David ran to the entrance of the cave. He said, hey, king, see, I'm letting you know my honor again. I cut off a piece of your robe. I could have killed you. 
But the Bible says that David then became ashamed and convicted because of what he did. Understand what I'm saying? And so the Bible talks about David being such a righteous man, but it had no problem also letting you know that he slept with a woman that was naked because he was not where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be at war instead of at home, saw a woman naked, slept with her, pulled her into the kingdom, got her pregnant, and then had her husband killed on purpose. And his firstborn child died as a result of it. So God didn't have a problem. See how God showcases both sides? See? And apparently God showcases both sides because yes, that person did something wrong, but when you are humble, you will receive the pat on the back slowly and receive the rebuke quickly. And so, so God does not take it too kindly when, you know, we want to hear all of the good stuff, but when it comes to the bad parts about us, we pretend like it's not there and we don't want to hear it because that's not how God does things. I can walk through, you know, the Bible talks about Elijah. He walked in such power, he called down fire from heaven to show whose God was real. And then he says, now kill 400 people. They had to physically kill 400 people that were false. But then right after that, Bible didn't have to tell you a problem that he then started running from a woman. I don't understand what I'm saying. Okay, so, 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 there's, so I said something Wednesday night, Saturday, I don't know what day I said it. Okay, and so when I gave the example of the preacher that put on the mask, you know, you know what I'm saying? I remember I gave an example about the preacher who he was bragging about how many people, you know, he had laid hands on and different things like that. So, so, and I said, then he turned around and put on gloves and a mask and a full mask and laid hands on everybody. So I thought, you know, I was just going to share it. I was kind of just talking about hypocrisy and different things like that. But when I got home, the Lord did not like that at all. So he rebuked. He didn't say anything, but you, some of y'all know, you know that feeling. That's that, that's that same feeling you got when you were at the store with your mother and you were touching something you had no business touching. She didn't have to say nothing. She was just looking at you. Some of y'all grew up in church. You were sitting behind your mama and you were doing something. She just turned around. Some looks meant wait till we get home. And so, so, and, 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 and unfortunately, that's why a lot of people don't rise in the kingdom of God, because it's not possible for you to do anything for the Lord without constantly being rebuked, constantly, because he's perfect. You're not. He knows what's going to happen for the next 10 years. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this service. He knows what the end of this ministry is going to be. We keep realizing it as he unfolds it. He knows the beginning from the end. We just in the moment. He never started and won't have an end. I was born 51 years ago and I'm going to die at 150. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Man, I don't know if I want to be around that long. Okay. But y'all get my point. So he didn't like that. So he brought out a couple of things and, 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 this, these were his words, which is, is that he is proud of us, but this congregation is very much in danger of pride. Because the problem with walking in power and the problem with having the, I shouldn't say having the ability, but doing what others are afraid to do, you will then, if you're not careful, start talking about others, start looking at them with disdain, start talking about them, looking down on them, etc. Um, and so that's just a warning that the Lord gave, is that, um, is that the power that you operate in is his power, not yours. Amen. And, and we made a good decision here, but maybe we made some bad decisions in the past. And maybe we're going to make some bad decisions in the future, even though I pray that that never happens. But, but God doesn't reject you because you do something lower. He doesn't dismiss you because you made a mistake. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's the danger of being on the front line of a battle is that you're leading where others can't go. You're doing things that others can't do. You're, it is a simple fact that this church is on a higher level than most. That doesn't mean we're better than anybody. You understand what I'm saying? It just means by the grace of God, we decided to accept some things that others did not want to accept. 
We decided to humble ourselves in certain areas. They did not want to humble themselves. We decided to press in and pay a sacrifice for things that others did not want to pay for. But it's not us. It's God's grace. We just made a decision. We didn't create it. You understand what I'm saying? So that's a very, very stiff warning where the Lord is just like, hey, slow your roll, y'all, slow your roll. Don't think you on some level just because the little Rony Rony virus showed up and y'all stayed open and you walk in all of this power that I blessed y'all with. Yeah. See, and that's how I am. That's, the Lord doesn't, I don't get those often because I'm always looking for it. But sometimes seeking you shall find don't always happen with me. And the Lord says, okay, go the Lord will send the angel down to go down, go down there and talk to our boy because he's getting a little besides himself. You know, or, you know, how many know, you can have a wonderful child and then out the clear view, they do something real stupid. What you said? Why, why you thought it was, why'd you think it was okay to do something crazy like that? And so, so that was just the Lord, because the Lord is trying to protect us as we keep climbing. And the main individual he has to protect you from is not the devil, it's you. The Bible says the heart above all things can be exceedingly deceitful. We like to pretend like we better than we are. We like to pretend that we're on a level that we're not on. We like to pretend that we're somebody that we're not. Because everybody puts up a good front in public. Okay. So, it is by his grace that we are what we are. Do not brag about your results. Which in my estimation is still very low. Hmm. You can think you're on some level. Hey, I was like, man, I seen him coming to America. Who told you that? See, it's a very danger to base your level on where others stand around you. You took one step up and all they are is just one step down. But nobody else is on that step. You think you're above everybody. Never realizing it's a hundred million steps. This one was interesting. The ministry is not a place for you to become a public success while being a private failure. You're actually failing in your personal life and, and trying to use this place to kind of maybe have a little bit of success in a particular department so that you can maybe feel good about yourself or try to use this place to be a success for yourself when it wouldn't happen if you tried because you become a success publicly only if you are a success privately. You can pretend, you can put up a front, you can smile, and you can even finagle numbers. But eventually that will dry up because your public success comes from your private success. You understand what I'm saying? And private success is mostly based on relationships. Oh, Lord. You don't. Oh, I don't know if this one is. I don't know if this one was the Lord or not. So I'm not going to share that one. Well, I'll put in here. You don't need to come here if you're not going to humble yourself and practice what's being preached. But that might be that might be me. Like that. So I forgot to erase it because I was listening to all of this stuff and then I got to thinking about all of this. Okay, but this one is definitely you must consciously and deliberately cleanse yourself from all sin, filth, and debris. God is determined to beautify you, but until you have cleaned up, you don't qualify for beautiful things. Nobody puts a wedding dress on a woman that didn't take a bath first. <clears throat> so, John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You got a friend in Jesus. Not if you don't do what he says. And I know this is some, well, in John 14, 14, I think. If you love me, obey my commandments. And see, guess what? End the story. Do you love Jesus? Yes. And do what he says. Well, you know, no, no, we don't know. No, no, we don't know. We don't know. Here you come with another thermometer. You come with another idea, another algorithm, another mathematical equation, another scientific experiment. When all he did was say, do you love me? Yes. Do you appreciate me dying for you? Yes. Then how come you won't live for me? John 15, 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. That's one of the reasons why people can't live for Christ because you're too concerned about your, what your raggedy cousins and friends think. 
you're more interested in pleasing them than the one who saved you. Well, Lord, if I serve you, they're going to have something to say about it. Okay, well, you make sure that you contact they when you get the virus. And when you can't pay your bills, you make sure you contact they. Because obviously, it's obvious that they are better than me. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So it hates you. So if you ain't got, let me tell you something. You know, all this stuff about, you know, haters. Most of these people out here don't have haters. People just want haters so they can feel important. You know what I'm saying? Because people that's really doing stuff don't like haters. You just recognize that they're going to be there and you just got to deal with that. But, you know, some people like, they try to stir up haters to try to make it seem like they're doing something. You ain't got no haters because you put up a post on Facebook. They ain't no real haters. You know, Facebook is in, in Instagram and all these other tickety talks and all that stuff. These things are, these things, I was just joking with that. I know it's called TikTok. But these things are false realities. Because you put on a miniskirt and show your whole butt to the world. Now you think you're a model. It's like the guys, some like guys just like big butts and I can't, never mind. It's just, so they're just going to hit like. Wow, look at that. Just, I don't know where that came from, but just, some, of the, some of the young people are like, what was that? Your parents will tell you later. All of the folk in here that are older that used to be heathens. That was our version of da 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 your friends will be your friends as long as you do what they like. You t- that, or that, that you do what they like. But Jesus will still try to stick with you when you're doing things that you don't like. That he doesn't like. Y'all got my point. Jesus is simple, even though I'm adding a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if... You continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. So this answers this question about once saved, always saved. That's entirely untrue. You walk to some altar. I give my life to Jesus Christ and then go right back to the old lifestyle. The Bible says that if you did that, it says that when you prayed the prayer, you didn't mean it. I didn't bring the scripture up, but it says... It says for a person that actually believes it and said it out of their mouth and meant it, it says a seed is planted in them and they cannot sin because the seed stuck. Doesn't mean you can't make a mistake when it says you cannot sin. It says that person cannot in good conscience now leave that altar and go sin on purpose and go back to their lifestyle and just ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. No, if a person said, see, if a person said the prayer and nothing changes, it's because they were just talking. They wouldn't believe it. Papa says you got to believe and you got to confess. And then after that, it says you have to live it to the end. 1 John 2.24, you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If, which is conditional, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Which means, if you don't, you won't remain. This is 2 plus 2 equals 4 stuff, folk. Somebody else is going to read it. Now they're looking for other scriptures to try to prove that that scripture is wrong. (laughs) Romans 6, 1 through 4. When, oh, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. That's common sense to the kingdom of God. Stop sinning. Since we have died to sin, sin is supposed to be dead to you. How can we continue to live in something that you died to? Or have you forgotten? 
that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and are buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Colossians 1.21 And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you to his Father holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. How many know that's a high standard? I said, how many know that's a high standard? Amen. They wouldn't ask you to do it if you couldn't do it. God never asks you to do something you can't do. If you can, watch this. It says you'll be presented, but then here's the condition. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof our Paul was made a minister. Simple. Start, finish. How many of you know, even though they're trying to change it in so crazy uh, time that we live in, how many of you know, they don't give trophies for somebody who made it three-quarters way through the race. You don't even get recognized. I mean, you know what's funny? What's very interesting is how it's an honorable thing to come in last as long as you kept making it to the end. Y'all see marathon you know, runners where they, they crawled for the rest of the race. You've seen people where they, they, something snapped in their leg and other runners came and carried them. You know what I'm saying? But there are no trophies and there are no honorable mentions for somebody that says, you know what, I was just tired. <laughs> so I just decided to stop. Everybody looks at this fool. Fool, everybody knows that. Finish. Yet the kingdom of God, we're like, well, I just want to start and then I'm going to go on back out here and move slow. Romans 6, 1 through 4. Well then, should we keep on? Ooh, this is, if you first time, this is sin month where we're getting ourselves cleaned up so that God can bless us and bring us up. It's funny, people want God to do what they themselves won't do. My name is Randy. Well, I don't like your name, so I'm going to call you something else. And you say, okay. You know what? Um, I don't like brown dresses. And the husband go out there and buy his wife a brown dress. Is the woman going to accept a brown dress? No. My favorite flower is the tulip. My wife does not like tulips. So I would be a fool to think that she's going to smile and I come. It doesn't matter how color. It does not wonder. It does not matter how colorful the tulips are. It does not matter how wonderful they smell. It does not matter what part of the country that they came from. And it was imported from the back aisles of Italy. See, that's all of those excuses that people come up with instead of just saying, I don't like tulips. That's what people do to God. Well, I know you don't like this, God, you know, but should we, what verse, what chapter, verse, what am I in? Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not, since we die. Hebrews 10, see, I'm going to be paying attention. He's like, no, you need to be paying attention. You don't want to preach it. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 26, dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. I'm just looking at the Bible real close in case I misread something because I was too far away. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. When you deliver your sin, you put yourself in the category of enemy instead of friend. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on Jesus Christ and have treated the blood he shared, which, was, which made us holy, as if it was just common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. When you live however way you want to live, what you say is, God, you're just another regular dude. 
and you sending your son to die for me and shed his blood and go to hell and suffer over three days, which I couldn't handle for three seconds. It's no big deal. So I'm going to just accept you for hell insurance, but I'm going to go out here and do me. God says, go ahead, do you. When you get to the end of you, you won't recognize yourself. So I have a graphic here and everybody can remember this. Jesus did not die to empower you while you live in sin. Jesus died to empower you to live a life free from sin. The purpose of him changing you on the inside is so that you can die to sin. The purpose for the word of God is to build you up and give you the ability to do what it tells you to do. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to build you up so that you can stay away from sin. The purpose of praying in tongues, the Bible says, is to build you up. All of these things are for the purpose of building you up. One of the roles of the Holy Ghost, it says, is to convict of sin. So these powers are given for you to stay away from it, not for you to live in it. And you got people out here saying you have huge, huge, huge movements now. And they're teaching the people that because of God's grace, you don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to pray. You don't have to live right. You don't have to do nothing because the grace has already been freely given. It's taking scriptures out of context. I'm like, do you all read the rest of the Bible? You got to put it all together. How many of you know two is not going to give you an answer? You got to have something else. Two plus three equals five. Two plus one equals three. Two plus seven equals nine. What they're doing is taking one scripture and saying it equals this. And Jesus said, when you stand before me, I won't judge you. My words will. So you can go up to one scripture. He's going to say, uh, you do realize there's 66 books in the Bible, right? Let's look at the rest that you didn't read. <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> Romans 7, 5. When we, went, when we were controlled by our old nature sinful desires were at work within us and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. Romans 6 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can make excuses all you want to all you're doing is sowing death into your life and my dad used to teach us that we used to go to church and he would sit us down and teach them boring Bible studies and and that's some of that stuff stuck with us because it was seed. And I would never forget my father said, he said, you will sow something today and forget about it. He said, but it's growing. And when you're driving down the road, he said, you will run into a tree that will stop you in the middle of the road. And he said, it was the harvest of what you sold 15 years ago. And that's why the enemy loves to pull you into sin and stay there so that you are perpetually sowing the wrong things. And it doesn't show back up immediately because it takes time for seeds to grow. These things start showing up usually on the back end of your life. They start, all of this stuff starts, and that's why, and that's why sometimes people get, this, this is the reason why the earlier you start serving Christ, the better. Okay? What happens is you live your life raggedy, and if you've done that, you know, hey, God has redeemed you now, even at 80. Okay? But you do all of that type of stuff. You're sowing all of that seed. Okay? Then you give your life to Christ at 45. And now... Just like when you go to the gym, you're expecting these instant results and, and then you start moving and you start shaking, but then trouble pops up. And you get offended and, and recognizing that that was the seeds from, from what you planted when you were a heathen that's showing up to try to choke out the righteousness now. How many of you know, how many of you remember Paul, I mean Saul became, before he became Paul, how many of you know that he constantly persecuted Christians? That's all he did, right? Go back and read Acts when he first gave his life to Christ and listen to what God said. God told him, because when Paul, Paul just saw a light and it blinded him. He went blind. He didn't even see Jesus. He just heard his voice. Just a light. It says at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, a light shined from heaven. It knocked him off his horse and blinded him immediately because your natural eyes can't deal with the lowest light in heaven. Blinded him immediately for three days. And the Lord told him, um, Hey, uh, Paul, he said, uh, it's hard for you to kick up against this. You're going to be fighting for you. can't fight against me, son. It's hard fighting against me. And he said, who are you, Lord? Instant salvation. 
Okay. And he said, go to this particular city and wait on me. He said he went there, didn't touch food or water for three days, just sat there blind. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, he says God spoke to another man. I think his name was Ananias. And he told Ananias, he said, yeah. He said, I need you to go lay hands on that man. Notice God didn't heal him. He had to use a man to heal him. I need you to go lay hands on that man and then prophesy over him about his future. And then I said, that man? He said, yes. He said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> he said, because this is the dude that's been, that's been persecuting all the Christians. No, I'm not going over there. And, and the Lord told him, no, go. He said, because I've called him to be, a, I'm just giving you, I've called him to be a great man, a man of God. And I must show him how much he must now suffer. Because even though I called him to be a great man of God, he still has to wreak the havoc that he produced in other folks' lives. And that's why you see that Paul later on said, man, I've been through shipwreck. He said, I've been homeless. I've been hungry, working on the rain, tired. It just, he said, I've been beat close to death. Yeah, reaping the same thing you did to other folks. Yet the Lord was going to bring you through it, but you had to reap some of that havoc that you put in other folks' lives. That's why I serve God early. Come out the room speaking in tongues. <laughs> you know, the doctor used to smack you. Smack. Shut up. I'm putting it in now. I know what I'm saying. God is so good, though. Let me show you how good God is. You tear up half your life. You then come to Jesus because he was working on you for the half that you were tearing it up. Then when you do come in, you have to reap some of that because that's the law in the earth. As long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will never stop. So I can't stop that because that's the law that I put in motion. But what I am going to do is I'm going to create a reward system so that when you reap the mess that you sold, if you go through it the right way, we'll stack up stuff for you on the other side because we really didn't want you to go through it. But it was unnecessarily we couldn't stop it. Because that's a law that I set in motion. I wish I could cancel it, but I can't. So even though you gave your life to Christ, I'm going to reward you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to protect you even from the stuff that you sold because I can't get rid of that. I would like to get rid of it, but I can't because it's the law. So it's going to still be reaped, but if you handle yourself right, we'll reward you on the other side where that law no longer exists. Understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> That's how good God is. You created the mess. And when you're walking through the mess you created, I'm going to reward you if you walk through the mess that you created. And you'd rather go hang out with your friends at the club, popping bottles, looking at all these <laughs> yeah, that's what you do when you get ready to say something stupid. <clears throat> Philippians 2.12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Self-explanatory. Which means that if you're not doing that, all you got to do is walk out of the service and go home and make a few phone calls. Uh, sorry, won't be seeing you again. Sorry, won't be dating you again. Sorry, won't be sleeping with you again. And sorry, won't be coming into work, I quit. You got to do what you got to do. Instead of going home, I'm going to pray about it. You don't need to pray about what's written. You need to do it. You need to do about it, not to pray about it. I don't know the song, right? I just say crazy stuff. <laughs> Galatians 5.16. Then we're going to close this so I can share with this other thing. So I say, now this is for everybody, because there are some people that they don't know what sins are. And again, there's a difference between you falling into something and then trying to jump right back out. Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. There is a difference between... Um, you being tempted into something and then the Lord has to open the balance. Okay, we're not talking about that. We're talking, when you get out of order is when you know it's wrong and you just continue to do it. 
and folk are praying for you and you don't care. Because let me tell you, the Bible talks about the, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin for a season. The problem with sin is when you first start doing it, it's really fun. Yes. It's not really fun. It's just that your mind is so low, you think it's fun. When you when your mind becomes renewed, that I can I, for me, I could never even do any of that type of stuff. Not because oh, you so hot. No, my mind is too developed to. I, I see it for what it is. I know what it is. The Bible calls all sin vomit. But but when but when you see when you when you think like on the level of a dog, you'll turn around and keep eating it. See, I had to say that that's the Holy Ghost. But but you turning back to sin is because at that moment, you're not even thinking like a human. You're not definitely not thinking like a son of God. You're thinking like an animal. And the Bible says that a man turning back to his sin is like a dog that vomits and then turns right around, looks at it and then eats it. That's why the Bible says he can't look at sin. The same way you couldn't watch a dog eat his vomit. So I say then in Galatians 5, 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. When you got born again, the real you on the inside changed, but your body didn't. And this explains that. The sinful nature wants to do evil. That's your body. Your body did not get saved. The spirit man did. The real you that lives in the body wants to get saved. The real you that lives in the body got saved. I'm sorry. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the real you wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. I mean, you've been tempted to do something crazy. Okay. Then I lived in the hands of this Catholic Presbyterian Muslim temple, you know, but you've been always, you, you get to, sometimes it comes with a thought and sometimes it just comes with a feeling depending on what it is. It's the body saying, um, hey man, we like sin. We like the way it feels and we like to, you know, so, so we'll try to lead you into stuff. Okay. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. This is how you can tell when you follow in your body under the direction of Satan. I'll define these. Sexual immorality, to keep it simple, so I don't do a 15-minute 15, 15 uh, dissertation on sexual immorality. Any sex, not between a man born that way and a woman born that way, biologically, and they're not married, is immorality. So just put it this way. A man and a woman get married, they have sex. Anything outside of that, the Bible puts into sexual immorality. And there are many Christians that compromise themselves in that category. They just keep sleeping around, sleeping around, sleeping around, and, and just keep doing everything like it's normal. And, and yet the Bible says that that's the, the sexual, let me tell you something. All sin is sin, and all sin is poison, but sexual sin, as the Bible says, has a different weight on you. So I'm just defining them so you can know, because there are some people that don't know. Sexual immorality, impurity, doing things that are unclean, lustful pleasures, category of that can be pornography, idolatry, idolatry is anything that you put ahead of God or that's more important to God. So you're very faithful to your job, but you're not faithful to the things of God. Idolatry, it can be money, it can be a person. It's amazing to me how many people get in a relationship and then compromise their Christianity over a person that they like. You made that person above God because God said do it this way, but you want to do it this way in order to compromise so that you can feel good. And there's a very, very much a danger when you are afraid that you won't get married in the future. Because if you are afraid that you won't get married in the future, if you think that because of your mistakes or how many kids you got out of wedlock, if that disqualifies you from still receiving God's best, you'll compromise. Because you don't trust God, you trust you. You trust what society says. And I have seen some crazy stuff. Sorcery, that's easy. Instead of me breaking down sorcery, that's just witchcraft. 
and air all of the things, whether which practicing witchcraft, sorcery, palm reading, mind stuff, talking to the dead, necromancy, the list goes on and on and on, stuff the Black Lives Matter is doing, conjuring of spirits, telepathy, cards, palm reading. I want to stop by this lady's house so bad on the way home from church to palm reader. I want to so bad. But I'm not going to do that. I mean, that's some trouble. Not for me. But, you know, so that's sorcery. Hostility. You're always hostile. Always got an attitude. Always want to fight with everybody all the time. We can't say nothing to you. You just take it out of context. Quarreling. There's somebody the same thing. That's the cousin to hostility. Want to just argue all the time. I can't stand folk just want to argue all the time. You can't even get one word out of your mouth and they finish your sentence and want to argue. Outburst of anger. Yeah, these are definitely three cousins right here. Outburst of anger. Selfish ambition. He did not say ambition. Selfish ambition, where you put God last and try to become ambitious yourself. Selfish ambition, where you're willing to step on the shoulders of other individuals and sell them out in order to advance yourself. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Okay, that's somebody that's, I mean, that's really somebody who comes in and they kind of try to separate things. They try to, you see that when people get offended and they leave a church, they try to take people with them. Yeah. That, and usually they take people with them because they need to justify the feeling that they're right. So if I can just get one to go with me, that lets me know that it's an uprising. No, it's going to be a downtiding. That's what it's going to be. Anyway. Division. Also, dissension mean, um, can mean, it means to separate yourself from people. So, you know, I don't really need to go to church. I can worship God at home, them folk. Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as some people do. But when you get closer to the end, do it more. Well, you know, I can't find a good church. That's a lie. It may not be a perfect church, but you can find a good church. If you're in Atlanta talking about you can't find a good church, you lie. you you definitely lying. Right, right. Now, now, look, first of all, this is a good church. Second of all, there might be some churches in Atlanta that don't do what we do, but it's still some good churches. You know what I'm saying? Okay, ain't got to be, I understand that maybe they don't own dreams, but they're not the devil. Because they don't do dream interpretation. You know what I'm saying? And there's some people that they just, they, 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 they want a reason not to go. So when they go, they look for the reason. And that's heart motive. And you think you can hide that from the Lord. And you just, you know, and I'm looking for a perfect church. Well, if there is one, as soon as you show up, <laughs> tell you something, y'all. I've been to church. I've been to church all my life. And most of the time, there, there are seasons where I did not like it. I didn't like the pastor. I didn't like what was being done. I didn't like what was being said. I didn't like how I was done. I stayed there because I was not there for him. I was there because of the Lord. Before I opened up this church, I was disconnected from church for years, but I was still there. I didn't hardly get nothing out of the service, but I still went. And was always looking for God to move in the service. Well, it didn't happen this time. I went back next Sunday. It didn't happen this time. Went back next. I just kept on going. I wasn't about to be at home and be part of the problem. But, you know, everybody got their own opinion nowadays. They make their God in their own image. Envy. We on Drunkenness. That don't need revelation. Wild parties don't need revelation either. And other sins like these. In other words, you know. Let me t- and here's the danger part. Let me tell you again, as I told you before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, how self-explanatory can you get beyond that? Now, in the Bible, it says if you live that type of lifestyle on purpose, you will not make it to heaven. But you got preachers saying, do whatever you want to do because you're already covered. So the question is, are you going to listen to this fool behind a desk or are you going to listen to the word of God? And then when you get to heaven, you're going to be like, well, Lord, you know, that preacher said, you know, and you're going to be looking for him to assist you. And the Lord's like, no, he went to hell. He's not even here. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Be nice. Everybody say be nice. Be nice. Self-control. 
There is no law against these things, but there is a law against the other things. So that's the other thing. When you go into sin, you become a convict in the spiritual realm. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So you are in a battle for the rest of your life. Because as you try and attempt and do live holy, all type of forces will come against you to try to pull you to the other side. And if you don't spend in the Word, you will not live time in the Word. You won't be victorious. If you don't spend time in prayer, you won't be victorious. If you're not sold out to Christ, you're not victorious. If you don't mature and get to the place where you understand and hate evil, you won't be victorious. You'll struggle for the rest of your life. And there is a place in God, and it doesn't take all day to get there. There is a place in God where all sin is repulsive to you because your mind becomes like the one sitting on the throne. And then it becomes almost impossible for you to be tempted, let alone sin. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Simple. Well, I guess that means then I got to watch what I eat a little bit. Mm-hmm. He said you could eat everything, but he didn't say you're supposed to eat pork every day. See, people mix that up. Some people go one side, you know, and and you you bring up pork. Oh, 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 you know, oh, 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 you want to, because God does not do. Oh, oh. And you know, when you go back to the Old Testament, people try to use the scripture to justify that, and they just use pork. But when you go and look at the other animals, it was not the animal; it was what the animal represented. He told he told them stay away from certain type of animals in the sea. Certain type of animals on the land, certain type of insects, and certain type of animals in the air because what they represented. When it came to the animals, land animals, he said their hooves are a particular way. They represent unclean. It was just symbolic. That's why when that symbolic phase was over with, what did God do when Peter was on the housetop? It says that Peter was in a vision and he said he saw all of these animals and the Lord told him, uh, rise Peter. Kill those animals and eat. He said, oh, Lord, I can't. You said those things are unclean. And the Lord told him, don't say any longer. Don't call them unclean because I have now cleaned them. And he said, he did that three times. Bible says, you are free to eat whatever you want to eat as long as it's received with thanksgiving. Now, if you don't like pork because you don't like the animal, if you don't like pork because you don't want to clog up your arteries, well, then that's a different thing. You know what I'm saying? So that's one side. So don't, let me know this. People be trying to use the scripture to justify. No, that's you. Now, there's certain things that I eat, but if I come up to your house and all you got is ribs, well, it looks like we have ribs today. I'm not going to walk up and go down the street and get a salad. No, I'm not burning my gas to do that. I'm going to eat. The Bible says, eat what's set before you as long as it looks appetizing. Now, if you're serving some bugs, it's not going to happen. You want to see me become empowered to fast for 40 days? Have bugs on the menu. I don't care what John the Baptist did. You're not supposed to be eating no grasshoppers. I am not, I'm not doing that. It's just not going to happen. Well, God is like, if you like chocolate-covered ants, he ain't got a problem with it. That's crazy. Anyway, I don't even know how I got on all that type of stuff. Okay. I really do get off track sometimes. Okay. Oh, we're talking about honoring God with your body. Okay, yeah, there it is. So that might mean that, y'all... You got you got God needs you to live as long as possible for his purposes. If you're a person of prayer, he ain't trying to let you leave the planet early. If you're a person in the word, if you're a person of evangelism, if you're doing things and serving in the church and operating and hinder healing and deliverance and casting demons out, why would he want you to leave? He needs you to take care of this body so you can stay here because he got so many of his children. They don't do anything. They ain't helping the kingdom advance nothing. I need you to stay here. So I need you to take care of this body. So yes, I need you to exercise. I need you to lose weight. I need you to get in shape. I need you to watch what you eat. I need you to stay hydrated so that your organs don't dry up over the next 50 years because you don't put no water in it. I need you to let go of cigarettes and, and marijuana 
and and definitely cocaine and 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 and, and no more eating, drinking Ripple and 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 and, and the, the crazy part is, is Pepsi can be worse than alcohol. But I can't tell you, man. Let that. I understand. Let me tell you something. I'll be sitting right at the house, and I'll be fighting it. Get to thinking. I tell Rana, I'll be right back. She know I'm going to the gas station to get a Pepsi. If she say I'll be right back, she's going to the gas station to get M&M's. You know what I'm saying? And it's not... <laughs> That's funny. And it's not that it's just so bad, but, I mean, you can't be eating M&M's all day. So I'm the, I don't have a concept of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just have a concept of food. So I'm the dude that gets up, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning and just eat pizza and ice cream because that's just what I got a taste for. My wife was like, oh, no, that's not breakfast. It has to be this. No, it doesn't. It has to be whatever I have a taste for. But anyway, that's just... Y'all understand what I'm saying. You need to take care of this thing. Everybody pay attention to me. Quit falling asleep. Go to bed. And I'm preaching to a great big old mirror the size of this room. Go to bed. It used to be the kids didn't want to go to bed. How many you don't want to go to bed? Are you just sitting up? You walk around like a zombie, all cross-eyed, <laughs> eyes burning, and you trying to figure out how to stay up for another two hours. <laughs> just and then have the nerve to wake up. Man, I don't know why I'm so tired. Cause you went to bed at two o'clock in the morning. All I'm doing is just I'm just giving you my life. My wife had to tell me, dummy, <laughs> you were walking till three o'clock in the morning and you're trying to figure out why you sleepy? <laughs> See this? So I get my point. Take care of yourself, y'all. Eternity is forever. And I'm, I'm not telling you holiness is always going to be easy. Because regardless of how much victory you have, it's one thing. It's just that, that one thing. Man, that's just that, that one thing I got to stay away from. And for each one of you, it represents, but you can have victory over that one thing. Yeah, it's no different than someone who works out. And a lot of times people, you ever see, went to the gym and you see a guy with bird legs? He walked around with a big old chest the size of a Mack truck, but he looked like he got bird legs. Okay? Well, it doesn't mean that the legs can't be developed. That might be a problem area on his body. And he has to really focus on that area to build it up. Okay? And so, ladies, you know you work out and you have that one target area where you just can't get rid of that fat. Doesn't mean it cannot be gotten rid of. It just means you got to really focus and find out how do I... See, it's difficult, but I got to learn how do I focus on it. That's how it is with your spiritual life. You're going to always have this particular area because of how you're wired, because of how you're raised, and maybe trauma. It's a whole list of things. And it will be one or two things that these are your struggles. This is your kryptonite. This is your apple on the tree. You know what I'm saying? Fruit on the tree. I don't want no apple. But you know what I'm saying? It's, there's always something. Okay? And so, and then when you do get delivered, there'll be certain things that just pull you in. Like, it's just, it's just real hard for me. We need a um, cook. I don't mean like we need a cook. It's just that because of our busy lives, it would be easier if we had someone that was like a live-in chef or something. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I'm not saying it's not going to happen because Abraham had chefs and, and soldiers. And how many of you want a chef that could cook for you all? Okay. You know, because, you know, I'll start out, man, right? And if it's, let me tell you something. Because I just like to eat. How many of y'all like to eat? Okay. It's, and if it's, if it's not, if it's not right, then I got to go get something down the street that just make me feel good. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just seemed like no matter, you just left the restaurant and sit down in front of the television and it's a pizza commercial. You know what? I think we should order a pizza. You ever done that? Oh, that's just me, huh? Terry, you with me? You'd have done something. Order a big old hamburger and fries and I'd like a Diet Coke. For what? When we go all the way, oh, we go all the way. We might have to get rushed to the hospital on this one. Don't just go. Diet Coke ain't about to do nothing. Sometimes the Diet Coke is regular than, worse than the regular Coke. 
That's how Satan works. He tells you what's not in it. He doesn't tell you what it was replaced with. Anyway, so again, I'm going to end it there because it's really simple. And that is God asks you to live clean. I always do these little jokes. If you would get an incurable disease the first time you had sex with somebody that you weren't married to, you'd have the ability to stop. You know what I'm saying? If you if if God if you're supposed to stop smoking weed, and there was this principle where you smoke weed and you go blind in two months, you wouldn't even put plants in your garden. I don't even want to see that type of stuff. You know, you know what I'm saying? But because, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But because the death is not immediate, we still do it. And the problem with doing something and not seeing death instantaneous is that you will forget that death is attached to your desire. Again, that's what tricked Adam up. He saw Eve eat the fruit, but she didn't die, which encouraged him to eat it. God said she was going to die. And the serpent gave us some new information. So maybe God doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's the sad part, y'all. Adam really did sell out his wife. The Bible says that Adam was standing right there with her when Satan was talking. But he was going to test this out on his wife. Because if God created one, he could create another one. I'm just keeping it real. That's what he was thinking, y'all. And the man was not thinking in his right mind. He tested it out on her. He didn't know that he, he forgot that he was carrying the seed. That's the reason she didn't die. Nothing happened until he ate it. Not a thing changed. It didn't say nothing about when she ate the fruit, then they knew that they were naked and their eyes would open. It says that when he ate it, because he was the one that was carrying everything and he had forgotten that she came out of him. So she would not be affected until him disobeyed. That's why you got this movement where men are unnecessary. No, they're more necessary than they were before. Last scripture in the Bible says that the land won't be healed until God turns the children to the hearts of the fathers. While out here talking about racism and everything else, the main problem in every home, including blacks, is fatherlessness. Nothing else. I dare you to look up the stats of what you are exposed to. How there's so many out there about what you're exposed to more if a father is not in the home. Like, I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's just, the stats are just crazy. Okay. But anyway, but how do you know? If your father wasn't there, God said, I'll be a father to the fatherless yes. and a mother to the motherless. Yes. I'll be a friend to the friendless. Okay, I'll be a bridge over troubled waters, a lawyer in a courtroom, a judge in a throne room. I'm messing it up. I'm messing it up because I don't preach like that. <laughs> okay, so, all right, let's just bow our head for a moment. Okay, so, you know, with God, things are very simple. The Bible says, be careful not to be moved away from the simplicity that's in Christ. It's really simple. You know, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you openly declare I do have that. You can, if you're not familiar with that scripture, you can't look at the screen. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And in 1 John 1, 9, you can look at that scripture. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. God considers himself unfaithful and unjust if he does not forgive you. He said he'll forgive you of your sins and he'll cleanse you from the ramifications of what you did or what you've been doing. But you do need to be serious because the Bible says God is not crazy. He's not mocked. You can't trick him. He knows if you're real or you're not. Repentance does not mean to just ask for forgiveness. It means to stop and change the way that you're doing things. Okay. So I am not going to lead anybody in a prayer. I'm just going to take a couple of moments and let you pray. Because there's some of you that you're Christians, but you've been living a life of sin. Sad thing is that that's recorded against you as a convict. 
So the question is that you just need to ask the Lord to forgive you. You need to repent and ask to tell the Lord that you're sorry. He already knows. He's just waiting on you to get it right. And then you got to stop. You got to stop. I don't know how else to tell you what God said. Stop. You got to stop. And if there's somebody here that you've never really accepted the Lord into your heart, well, then all your sins from birth are piled up against you up until this moment. So with you, all you need to do is, is that if you recognize and believe that the Lord died for you, which a lot of people do, they just haven't accepted him, then you need to accept him. I don't need to lead you into prayer. Just tell the Lord that you want to invite him into your heart and that you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior and your master and ask him to forgive you all of your sins and to change you. It's as simple as it is. Thank you, O Lord God. So if you never accepted the Lord, just say that right there. You got to say it out of your mouth. It, it can be a whisper, but you have to say it. Lord, I accept you. Come into my heart. Change me. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for making me a member of heaven and forgiving me of all of my sins. Prayers never have to be perfect. They just have to be pure. Thank you, O Lord God. Blessed be your name. Thank you, O Lord. Blessed be your name. Thank you, O Father God.